a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Hello, Rebels and Imperials. Welcome to Force Ghost Coast to Coast, Season 3, Episode 2. This is going to be a lot of fun today. I'm very excited about this. I am Brian, and I have two friends with me who will become your friends via the internet as well because they are going to be the co-hosts of this show. And so um, I'm going to let one of them take it away. Hi, everyone. My name is Liz. I think I've been told to mention who my favorite character is. Yeah. Does that sound about right? All right. So I, I I think maybe partially based on my age, I'm going to say my favorite Star Wars character is, in fact, Princess Leia. Why? Um, well, I guess she's someone I could uh, connect to when I was a kid because, well, this is gonna, I, she is a girl. Um, she was sassy. She had things to say. And she helped rescue herself. So that is my real brief description of my favorite Star Wars character. And hi, I'm Matt. Uh, my favorite character, let's see, I've changed it probably three times in the last three minutes as I've listened to Liz talk. Um, I would say Lando. Lando has been always someone I've been interested in. I remember being very upset about how a very human reaction ended up making him the villain of the Star Wars universe. And as I get older, I feel much more of a connection to the fact if a force-wielding you know, space knight came in and threatened me, I would probably also turn over a guy I didn't know. But that's just me. <laughs> and I guess my favorite is probably Obi-Wan. Um and not even uh, counting the Ewan McGregor stuff, which I really enjoy, but like as a kid, I just thought that Alec Guinness was so cool as this like just unassuming old man who had these amazing powers. And uh, I loved the Force Ghosts very much growing up. And then in the prequels, Ewan McGregor is literally the best thing by an incredible margin. So you know, he was just one of the characters that that has stuck with me. And uh, it's funny. So I have a son named Ben. He's not named after Ben Kenobi. But more than one person has presumed that is the case. And uh, my wife is not a Star Wars fan. And she, she did not realize that there was a Ben in Star Wars. And then she found out there were two. <laughs> ben Kenobi and Ben Solo. But no, it, neither is the name. Although this is, this is a fun story. So when I saw The Force Awakens, Aaron was pregnant with Ben. And we had discussed that if it was a boy, he'd be named Ben. And then to hear Han yell, Ben, like I jumped. <laughs> like it really, it was really a, uh, it was a powerful moment in my life. Um, but anyway, so this is actually the first podcast I've ever done in person. All my podcasts are always done over Skype for the most part. Uh -huh. And so this is really nice. We're, we're like, we're friends in real life, which is fun. To, it's, a, it's a nice excuse to like see my friends, uh, but also to talk about Star Wars. It's a good thing. And so um, I guess. The first part of our show today is going to be talking a little bit about our Star Wars histories because for uh, a lot of our audience, they've never heard of Matt or Liz before. And so, you know, I think this is a good opportunity just to kind of get an idea of sort of where we come at from Star Wars and the sort of things that we like and when we got introduced to it. And so, Matt, you actually know the date 
that you first saw a Star Wars movie. So tell us about that. So I can tell you as I looked it up, uh, I saw Star Wars for the first time January 31st, 1997, because I had been aware of Star Wars growing up, but the first time I ever saw them was in the theaters with a special edition re-release. Um, a friend's mom took me and my friends. I had never seen them. I had a friend lend me a VHS copy that was recorded, I think, off of TBS um, that I watched maybe 20 minutes of before getting there. So I had the full in-theater experience of Star Wars, the first time ever seeing any of those characters on screen in the movie theater. Um, And I was just blown away. I was hooked from the moment that we first, you know, saw space battle on screen. Um, and after that, we, I watched all of them on tape and had to buy additional ones cause we ran them out watching them too much. Um, so my experience is very much seeing the special edition ones. Um, and then kind of watching the ups and downs of the franchise through the prequel trilogy. Um, and I'm just, still engaged watching where the series is going now. Um, Because I think for me, what really makes Star Wars special is it is an entire universe. Um, I've really been in love with the idea of everything that goes along with the Star Wars realm. I'm watching your dog attack. I don't know who, but... (laughs) So the idea of it being something bigger than just the movies. And I think coming into it as a kid with those re-releases it was the toys the books you could just live in this tiny world of star wars um and that's really what hooked me on it from an early age and still today all right well i don't know the exact date of when i first saw saw star wars to be honest with you i'm gonna say i was probably about six or seven um my family was a big space family Star Trek. We're just talking a little bit about Star Trek. Um, watch some Buck Rogers. Anything space. Yeah. That's right. Um, and Star Wars seemed to fit in with that, especially probably when my mom was at work on the weekend and my dad was home. He would pop in that Star Wars VHS, and those are movies we would watch. So I, I can't really even remember the first time I saw Star Wars. I feel like they've just those movies have just sort of been a part of my life forever, especially the original trilogy. Um, once my brother was born, we would just watch them all the time on the weekends. Um, and then as I got older, um, it was tough finding friends that like Star Wars, I guess. Um, and then the uh, prequels came out when I was in high school. And suddenly people I knew kind of were into Star Wars, which was pretty cool for me. Because um, I could find some new friends that like Star Wars as well. Um, and then it was a long stretch until we got the new movies that just came out in the past, I don't know, five or so years. Five-ish, yeah. Five-ish. Um, five or so years, which is sort of, you know, reignited nostalgia in many ways, that old love um, of Star Wars. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my tale. I think it's fascinating to remember there were times when Star Wars wasn't ubiquitous. Yes. Like I, I, I think that, you know, so... Return of the Jedi came out in 83. And I think that's the first one I remember seeing. I don't know if that's real or if that's just sort of like what I remember. I remember being terrified of the Emperor's Force Lightning. Like just being terrified of that. 
And so, but from 86 until 99, we didn't have a new Star Wars movie. There were the re-releases, there were novels, there were comics, but there was no new Star Wars movie. The Ewok stuff. And there was there, <laughs> there was the, the droids TV series, the cartoons. That were, I love that. I've never seen that. Neither have I. It's a very good series. Um, it explores a lot of the fringe universe, kind of the aftermath of what a global war does to a world. Um, it's very interesting. We could definitely move into that at some point. Yeah. We, we should watch that as a, as a crew yes. at some point. That sounds really fun. Um, but, like, you know, when it's kind of similar to your story, Matt, when I, I saw all of the re releases in the theater opening night because I, I was a huge Star Wars fan and I wanted to see them. And we took a friend of ours to see this to see Empire. He had never seen a Star Wars movie before. And Empire is a really weird place to start watching a Star Wars movie. But he was like, at the end of the movie, he was like, What happened to Han? What happened to Han? You gotta tell me. And I was like, nah, I'm not telling you, man. You gotta go see. You gotta go see the movie. You know, he couldn't believe it. He was so like into it instantly. And, but I mean, when I when I was in middle school, we would go to Florida every year. We drive to Florida. My dad hated the fly, so we would drive to Florida. And there was a bookstore across the street from where we stayed in Florida. And one year I was in there and I found a book by Timothy Zahn, who wrote, who was like the Star Wars author of the '90s. He wrote a trilogy called the Thrawn trilogy. And Heir to the Empire, I believe, is the name of the first one. I found that book, and it was brand new in paperback, and I bought it, and I read it on the way home from Florida. And then every year for the next two years, I'd buy the next installment of that trilogy and read them. And like, but I was the only person I knew at that point who cared about Star Wars beyond like watching the movies a couple times with your friends. So it's so weird to look back and just think there was this period of time when Star Wars wasn't a thing for everyone. Because now, I mean, just this year... We're getting a Star Wars theatrical film. We're getting uh, The Mandalorian, a new Disney Plus show. We are getting, we're in the middle, we just finished the first season of Star Wars Resistance on Disney XD. Uh, we're possibly getting, it won't be this year, but there's the Rogue One spinoff series. Uh, I'm going to take a break with the movies now, but there's so much, there's like three comics a month. There's so much Star Wars stuff out there. It's just weird that, it's weird to remember a time when that wasn't the case. So Liz, you had said that you had a hard time finding friends that were into Star Wars. Do you mean specifically female friends into Star Wars, or do, did you know? Did you know guys were into Star Wars? Or? I'm gonna say more so female friends. My younger brother and his friends were always into Star Wars, and they were sort of the ones I would talk to about things. Which is why when I told my one friend what I was doing today with this podcast, I was like, "Well, it's like I've been training for this my whole life, talking to two guys about Star Wars." <laughs> um, and that's continued really to this day. I just saw a bunch of them yesterday, and you know, we were talking about Star Wars and The Simpsons and all the usual things um but yeah I, more in particular female friends and i think um i didn't really have a female friend i think that really liked star wars until i got to college do you think that if you were growing up today as you know a star wars obsessed preteen, would you have an easier time finding people who are into it i don't know um i'd like to say yes but I am unsure, just maybe being familiar with preteen girls and what they're into since I was one once. Um, I'd like to think yes. Um, so that's what I'm going to stick with. Matt, you work with middle school kids. Do you see middle school kids into Star Wars? Uh, yes. I think that it's such a... The difference being from when we were in middle school um, was it was more of a niche type thing. I think 
the idea of not just Star Wars, but I mean, nerd culture in general being so mainstream now. Um, I think all of my kids see the Star Wars movies the same way that all of them see the Marvel movies. Um, it's just so popular. It's a piece of their kind of everyday existence as opposed to something that only the, you know, bookworms reading the Young Jedi series or the um, Timothy Zahn stuff were really into. I think it's so much more and everyone's shared experience. And I think in a lot of ways, what you're talking about, the accessibility of it is it's not just films. It's um, TV series, spinoffs, books, video games, tabletop games. There's so many ways that you can connect with the Star Wars world now that it's easy for everyone to find their own piece within it. Um, so it's definitely something that's a lot more ubiquitous than it was back when I was in middle school. So aside from the films, what are the ways you guys interact with Star Wars? Or are the films the way you interact with Star Wars? Liz? Hmm, I'm going to say mainly the films, which sounds lame now that I say it out loud. Yeah, mainly the films. I'm a big um, board game player, tabletop war game player, um, so I play a lot of games. So I've played the role-playing game that Fantasy Flight has put out. Um, I really like the newer um, X-Wing game, the ship battles. Um, pretty much any way that I can paint or play with Star Wars toys, I will do it. Yes. Um, so I fully embrace a lot of the newer um, gaming pieces of it. Um, the video games are also a big piece, um, growing up and still to this day of engaging with it, kind of playing out the fantasy of being a Jedi and making your own choices. The nice old Republic series was a big piece of how I worked with the series. Um, nowadays, also the books, I try to read a lot of the newer things that have come out since the, I guess, soft reset of, um, the Disney franchise buyout i don't know the right word to describe it but um i really enjoyed reading um the newer fiction that came out because as a kid i read a lot of really good star wars books and a lot of really terrible ones and it's nice that now they're really coming out with a solid um series of books so i engage with it in a lot of different ways the movies are probably the way that i really engage with it the least these days um because for me, I like the wide openness of Star Wars. It's always appealed to me, all the little bits and details um, of all the moving pieces of the Star Wars universe. The specific characters kind of paled in comparison to the idea of the larger conflict, whether it's Sith and Jedi, whether it's Rebels and Galactic Empire. Um, the characters were always you know, something good, but I really was always drawn to the bigger universe. So any way that you can explore a bit more of the non-central pieces of it, I really love. It's interesting because I think I fall somewhere in between you guys. I'm a big novel reader. I've read three Star Wars books this year. 
so far, I think. Uh, I'm in the middle of listening. There's a there's an audio-only Star Wars book called Dooku Jedi Lost, mm-hmm. and it's about Count Dooku as a kid. Huh. Uh, and it also involves Asajj Ventress a bit uh, in the later chapters. And also, um, have you read Master and Apprentice yet? I the new. Yet. That's next up. So that's that's the uh, Obi-Wan Qui-Gon book that came out. It involves a character introduced in that who was uh Dooku's Padawan before Qui-Gon was. So all of them kind of play a part in this uh, book. The voice acting is not very good in it. It's a little <laughs> cheesy, but you know, but it, but it's it's fun. But so I read a lot of the novels and then Matt is one of two people who really got me into the Clone Wars show. And so and then Rebels after that and my daughter and I are slowly making our way through Rebels. She's dragging her feet a little bit with it. I, every night I'm like, "Come on, let's watch Rebels." And she she's <laughs> some nights she's just not in the mood to watch a Star Wars cartoon, which Jeez. I don't I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> I'm, I'm always in the mood to watch a Star Wars cartoon. Um, but yeah, so I actually think that this is going to be an interesting dynamic of our show because we all kind of have different ways of of approaching this. And so it's going to be fun. I'm looking I forward agree. to this. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's take a break and we'll come back in a minute with a sure to be controversial topic. We're going to rank the 10 Star Wars films in our personal preference order. So stay tuned. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, bad to end Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and we are back uh we're gonna borrow a technique from the show i co-host the dc3 cast where we're going to talk about our top 10 star wars films we're going to list them from bottom to the top and if um if one of us names a movie lower than someone else has it they'll just say like we'll talk about that one in a little bit and we'll talk about it at its highest point on our lists so liz Why don't you start us off with your least favorite Star Wars movie? All right, here we go. Least favorite Star Wars movie? Phantom Menace. We'll talk about that one later. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay, no, that's fine. Matt, what is your least favorite? Uh, Revenge of the Sith. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Um, My least favorite is Attack of the Clones. Yeah, we'll talk about that one later. That's that's my number nine. Okay, okay. Um, that's my number eight. All right, so we'll get to that one fast. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, my number nine is The Phantom Menace. Uh, Matt, what's your number nine? Uh, solo. Ooh. Right, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is already contentious. Uh, all right, so Liz, what's your number eight? Number eight, Revenge of the Sith. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Um, Matt, your number eight is what? Uh, Attack of the Clones. All right, and mine is Solo. Have you mentioned Solo yet? It's my number seven. Okay, so let's let's talk about those three kind of in a cluster. So, um, The Phantom Menace was your what, Matt? Um, number seven. Okay, so let's start there. It was Liz's least favorite. Why is that your least favorite Star Wars movie? Well, honestly, it's probably the one I've seen the least. I'm going to say the prequels are the movies I've just seen the least. Fair. Uh, again, I... I don't know if it's an age thing, but I feel like when they first came out, um, <clears throat> there was a lot of bashing of the prequels. 
Um, I, there are elements of them that I do like. And um, over time, I feel like I've tried to find more positives about them because I think I kind of got sucked into the hype of negativity when they first came out. Um, so I, I'm actually kind of excited to be doing this podcast to see what you guys think about them. Okay. Um, and Megan pick, pick up on some more positives and rewatch them with an open mind. What do you think about the Phantom Menace? I think the Phantom Menace has so many pieces of greatness in it, but as a film just is clunky and, um, suffers from terrible child acting and <laughs> just needless action scenes that just drag it down. I find the planet of Naboo to be very interesting. I find the Gungans to be fine in their own right. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn is a fantastic character. Darth Maul was a great addition to the franchise. Um, as in a Clone Wars and Rebels fan, um, I like so many of the storylines that begin there, but they can't save the rest of what that is. I think the best thing to come out of Phantom Menace was probably the pod racing N64 game. Um, but other than that, it doesn't get it a much higher ranking on my list. So I, I have it ninth, and I honestly think it might be one higher than that. Solo is my eighth. Um, it might be higher than Solo, maybe. I'm not sure. So I watched it I watched it last week, or two weeks ago, maybe now at this point, and I was kind of talking to you guys beforehand about it, how... The first 20 minutes or so are really fascinating, and then it gets boring for an hour, and there are these kind of little peaks of interesting bits in it, and then very boring stuff in the middle of it. But I think it does it does the same thing that The Last Jedi does, in a sense. With The Last Jedi, you're expecting Luke to be this like conquering hero, and he's this broken man, and it really messes with your perception of what the Jedi are. And in this movie, you see the Jedi as, like, ineffectual bureaucrats. And as a kid who grew up playing with a broom as a lightsaber, I didn't want to see ineffectual bureaucrats. But I think there's really inter- I think Lucas does some really interesting things with that concept. It's just poorly directed, poorly written, and poorly acted. But, like, the concept is kind of solid there. Um, so you said Revenge of the Sith was your least favorite, Matt. Uh, we're going to get to that in a minute because that's my seventh. Um <laughs> Liz, where did you have Solo? Uh, I had Solo 7th. Okay, and you had Solo... Solo 9th. Okay. Uh, Matt, talk about Solo for a minute. Um, Solo was one that I went into having a lot of high hopes. Um, and, again, it is a movie just came off as clunky. I don't know where it was supposed to fit in the larger franchise it was sort of a prequel but also leading into nebulous timelines and just added in a ton of characters that just went nowhere there was a lot to i really liked the kind of end with the um i forget any of their names um the the freedom fighters essentially like that was a good storyline but was the last five minutes of the movie um it just felt like 
a lot of hype for not a lot of movie. Um, who just didn't get anywhere. It didn't feel like even a good spinoff for me. It just kind of didn't meet its own expectations and just kind of faltered. All right. Well, I will tell you that I went into scene solo with high hopes because Han Solo is one of my all-time favorite characters. Um, as Harrison Ford is one of my all-time favorite actors. Um, and I, I wasn't disappointed. I felt like it was a real, maybe to go along with what Matt said, almost standalone, standalone. It felt kind of separate from all of the other movies, even the other standalones like Rogue One kind of felt like it had more of a place within the universe. I think it's the only movie that doesn't have anything to do with the Force at all. And I don't know if that's why it's less Star Wars-y than all mm-hmm. the other Star Wars, because we're focusing on a character that doesn't like the Force or believe in the Force or thinks it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Um, and, you know, so that's not included here in the movie. Um, in terms of... Oh, I thought of the group Emphis Nest. Was, uh, yeah, Emphis I, just Nest, thought of, yes. I wrote it down because uh, I thought <laughs> of it nice. as you were still talking, so I had an advantage... Um, I, I felt like that was sort of a twist at the end, mm-hmm. which actually I feel almost appeals to modern audiences more. Like my students, when we talk about movies, if I show the movies in class, they always want some kind of twist. That's, That's what they're looking okay. for. Yeah, um, which is something I've noticed continuously, even in books. We they read must in love class. M. Night Shyamalan then. <laughs> Nothing better than M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> need some kind of twist, darn it. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like it kind of delivered in that way. Um, yeah, you have something to say. I do. I think as you're talking, I think part maybe what is kind of clouding my ability to give Solo a fair shake is I think I went into it thinking it would be Shadows of the Empire. I think it would be Dash Rendar um, against the Shadow Sun Syndicate, which was fascinating, um, and it just ended up being not that. So I mean, it's not fair to the movie possibly, but I think. That's as you were talking about it. That's what I was connecting it to. Those are the expectations I had going into it, and it was something else entirely. Neither of you have mentioned the most important part of Solo: Donald Glover as Lando. Well, that is correct. I mean, Matt, you're a Lando guy. <laughs> One of my favorite characters, and he was fantastic as Lando, and I enjoyed the Lando that was there, the lavish, cloak wearing. Um, guy he was but again just if it was just a lando movie maybe um but just too much else i understand that i mean i i thought it was going to be a train wreck because the directors were replaced halfway through and they recast a couple of characters and so i went into it thinking like this is going to be a shit show and i'm 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 not really ready for that i don't want to like I feel like there was a period of time when a bad Star Wars movie was acceptable in my life, but now it's not anymore. I've been spoiled, um, and so I wasn't super hyped for it. And I think maybe going into it with that low expectation allowed me to enjoy it more than I did. Um, but I still I don't think it's great. I think there are some things in there. Like I kind of hope that there's something that follows up this film because I think that young Lando needs more. We need, we need more Donald Glover as Lando. And I think that the introduction of Darth Maul back into the live action franchise yeah. is really good as well. And I know Matt, as a Rebels guy, that's... Yeah. I, Darth Maul is a great character. Um, 
the kind of villain that you can really not relate to, but he's not all just universe ending evil. He has personal motives. He seeks revenge. He gets kind of corrupted and distracted. I think him as a villain is a lot more enjoyable on screen than a lot of the ones we normally see in Star Wars who are just evil beyond evil, but again, then get redeemed and it's over. Um, he's far more complex than that. So if they move in with that storyline, I'd be very interested to see what comes next, but I hope it doesn't just end up as a kind of gotcha at the end. Well, that's what I really liked the addition of Darth Maul. And even I went to go see the movie with my brother and his friends and they are all big prequel fans and they loved it as well. They thought it Mm -hmm. was a nice addition. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested to see like five or six years from now when the scuttlebutt about the film is gone and we don't remember that directors were fired in the middle of it and all that, like how people view that film in the future, you know? It did feel like different scenes, different locations all felt like different types of movies. Like the end was almost like a Western in some Mm -hmm. ways. And I don't know if that was intentional or not. Right. But it did feel like there were different sort of elements yeah um i felt a bit maybe disjointed in some sense okay yeah i could definitely see that um all right so we've talked about attack of the, no we haven't talked about attack of the clones yet matt that hasn't come up for you yet what number is that for you uh number eight for me okay so we'll, we'll talk about that now then yeah. um so that is by far my least favorite star wars movie uh i hate attack of the clones and that's why i can't wait to talk to you about it so uh, <laughs> for those that listened to last week my chat with michael Morisi about the phantom menace matt and i are doing an attack of the clones episode soon about this and uh i i really dislike that movie for a few reasons and i don't want to talk too much about this one because we are going to talk about it right now similarly liz and i are going to talk about rogue one later this year so we're not gonna talk about that one too much now because i want to save some of that conversation for that episode um but for me for me hayden christensen is direct and i don't want to blame him because i think it's really the script he was given and the direction he was given but he is worse in attack of the clones than jake lloyd is in the phantom menace as anakin and matt's making a face at me and i i, I know he's gonna disagree but you know we'll, we'll we'll get to that um there's also an abundance of fake uh, scenery like almost no f- scene is shot on an actual set it's all green screened and that drives me bananas uh, I just don't like it um, and I feel like George Lucas does this thing where he he invents something and then instead of defining the thing he invented he just decides to change it like for instance the Clone Wars is mentioned in A New Hope. It's like in the first 20 minutes, Luke says to, to Obi-Wan, you fought in the Clone Wars. And then we see this, and it's not really a war about clones. He makes it into this totally other thing. We're like, he should have just named it something else then. Like, And Yoda says, like, the Clone War has begun or whatever, and it's not a Clone War. Like, there's no reason for that. And this movie, to me, has so many things that are... Um, it just seemed like if there was somebody who was an equal to Lucas, who could have said like, hey, buddy, tap on the shoulder, you realize this, this, and this. He would be like, oh, yeah, but because he just hired kind of lackeys for these films, and I say that with love. I'm sure they're good people. Uh, you know, it just to me feels like it's a very uh, weird, badly paced, over-CGI'd movie. 
I, I feel like I don't have too much to say. Um, maybe I agree, or yes, I do agree with the CGI. Um, the poor acting, I feel like, is what turns me off, ultimately. Even Natalie Portman. I don't know. She's a great actress. But, um, I, I just feel like Lucas did all the things maybe he wanted to do in the past here and kind of went crazy with it. And for me, it was too much. I think it, I have a very love-hate relationship with the movie. It's a it's a very bad movie that gives birth to this wonderful moment in the Star Wars universe. Um, without Attack of the Clones, you don't have the Clone Wars or Rebels or anything moving forward to there. And you see all these kind of sprinkles of great things in the film um the moment when the clones get there and it's this moment of triumph in the movie but you as a viewer know that this is the downfall of the jedi them shifting into this warrior general moment throws out the idea of them as peacekeepers and they're becoming the new uh, force in the universe Um, we'll talk about that obviously in the thing but there's these moments that are great and then it just kind of gets blended up with so much nonsense um, that it just ends up being a terrible train wreck. But I, it, I can't help but love what it gives us on the outset. But still, compared to any of the other films, just does not even come close. So, um, Liz, where was Revenge of the Sith for you? Uh, that was eighth. Okay. Matt, that was last for you. It was seventh for me. So let's talk about Revenge of the Sith a little bit. So um, to me, it's the best of the prequels by a long shot. There are still some really bad elements to it, like any of these prequels. But I feel like it's the first time that I felt compelled is the wrong word. But there are a lot of moments in the movie that I think just really worked to get me I was interested in the plot of the movie instead of being interested in how the movie fit into Star Wars, if that makes sense. Like, it was the first time where I wasn't trying to guess how this fit into the overall mosaic, but I could enjoy the movie for what the movie was trying to do. Maybe that's mincing words, but I I feel like that's kind of important. Um, It also has a really good lightsaber duel, and I'm a sucker for that. Like, that last mm. lightsaber duel between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, not Qui-Gon, excuse me, Obi-Wan and, and Anakin, is very emotional, and I feel like, whereas the one of the Phantom Menace, which is really great too, is very cold, this is, this is like, red hot with emotion, and I, I really appreciated that. And I guess I feel like the politics of the prequels never really worked for me, but this one has the least amount of politics, but when it's used, it's the most important parts. Like it's Palpatine rising to the to the supreme power that he's been given. And um, it just, it seems to me, it makes the most out of those political elements. Um, any particular thoughts on this movie, Liz? I don't think I can say anything that hasn't already been said. Okay. Matt, why is this your least favorite? Oh, I'm trying to put into words. I... It feels for me um, just rushed. I think there's so much character development you're just meant to assume happens. Um, And it turns what could have been a great story arc of falling into darkness, um, having an empire 
um, pulled apart and fall into the hands of, you know, a evil leader. And it just rushes to the finish line in a lot of ways for me. And the pacing of it just made it. F- I wasn't able to get over that jump. I don't see the realness in it. It just comes off as to we know we have to hit this end mark. So we're going to get there in an hour and a half. So I feel like a lot of what could have been very, you know, emotionally charged turns into a lot of nothingness. So I think there are a couple of great scenes in there. Um, The end lightsaber duel, the moment where um, Palpatine becomes the chancellor and they see democracy die. Um, There's also just some of the worst moments. Um, The weird romantic opera box scene comes to mind as one um and it just in a lot of ways you're talking about with lucas just instead of answering questions he raises more strange questions instead of bringing answers um so it just comes off kind of convoluted and all over the place one of the questions that a friend of mine posed once about star wars was are we supposed to just judge star wars on the movies because if so the prequels are even worse than we say they are. If we're supposed to judge Star Wars on the overall, like, at the end of the day, there's TV shows, there's books, there's video games, then the prequels make a lot more sense. And I think Lucas always looked at it from the long game of there are all these elements to what Star Wars can be and is, and we as fans oftentimes said, like, all we care about is the movies. And that makes it tough to judge them. When, when the intentions are different from the person making it and the person watching it, that makes it tough. Um, but so we've we've established that the prequels and Solo are the worst four movies. <laughs> so, so, so so let's let's uh, let's go for there. Liz, what is your number six? Force Awakens is my number six. All right, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. What's yours, Matt? Force Awakens. Okay. Um, my sixth is uh, Return of the Jedi. Okay. Hmm. Um, I presume you go. We'll talk about that in a little bit because you we'll talk about it, that in a little bit. Have yeah. it higher. Yeah. Okay. So uh, only a little bit higher. Yeah. Only a little bit higher. Okay. What is your number five, Matt? Um, Last Jedi. What is your number five, Liz? The Last Jedi. Okay. We're gonna talk about that much <laughs> later. <laughs> you guys are, are much more in sync now. Okay. So. Uh, Whatever number four is, we'll talk about these now. So, uh, Liz, what's your number four? Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. And mine is The Force Awakens. So, oh, no, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. Did you say oh. five yet? Did I, did I skip my five? Was, oh, yeah. Have. I think you skipped your five. My five is Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Okay. You skipped it. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll talk about that in a bit, too. Yes. Yeah. All right. Later. Much later. Okay. All right. Cool. So, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, Return of the Jedi suffers from two things more than anything else, and it's not the Ewoks. Everyone always says that. Uh, Harrison Ford doesn't give a shit. He is phoning in half that movie. <laughs> like all the stuff on Endor, he he just you could just like see him balancing his checkbook in his mind as he's doing this. There is he he just he is so checked out, and that really hurts that movie. The other thing is that it suffers from the thing that The Force Awakens suffers from in a way, where it's a lot of the retelling of the same story. Like there's been so many Death Stars, and so I think that that is a. Um, that's a pretty common like critique of of that movie. Why do you guys like that movie more than I do? Well, I, I I'd like to start by saying I don't think I can handle any besmirching of uh, Harrison Ford's, <laughs> and I never thought of it that way. I just thought it was more of him just generally not caring 
in general. But uh, perhaps that's not the case. Supposedly, he really lobbied to have Han die at the end of Empire. Really? That he wanted mm. there to be a malfunction to kill him, mm. and that would have given so much more gravitas to the story he felt. And so I think he was never really on board with Jedi to begin with. Oh, all right. I buy that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Now I've lost my train of thought. Where am I going with this? Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Hmm. You have you want to say, Matt? Before uh, I, uh... I think I do like Jedi. Uh, it's not the Ewoks. Uh, Gungans are better than Ewoks. I'll put that on the podcast, episode wow. one. Um, but I think if it was, for me, the Jabba's Palace scene, I would just I can turn the movie off at that point and be satisfied. Uh, but I do, again, as a Lando fan, this is Lando's moment in the sun. It's his redemption. He, you know, flies a falcon into the Death Star. It's a pretty cool moment, but... Um, I think it's the weakest of the original movies. I think it does suffer from that. We're doing this again type thing. Um, and I, I don't know how I would feel about Jedi if I hadn't then seen these same storylines play over again and again and again, because even though it's the first, it feels overdone. I think you're right about that. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say the opening third of the movie might be some of my favorite Star Wars, Jabba's Palace, the barge, the fight scene, Sarlacc pit. Um, yeah. CGI dance number. Yeah, that's right. Jedi rocks. <laughs> Jedi rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, Lando redeeming himself. Yeah, the beginning of that movie is really some, I think, my favorite Star Wars. It's fun. Yeah. Um, it still holds up in a lot of ways, I think, at least for me. And I do think... Luke walking into the mm. palace is one of his greatest character moments. Um, everyone seeing him still as the boy and him coming in as the Jedi Knight and really just owning the scene. Um, I think it's great in the overall series. Yeah, he really completes that hero's journey in some way. He's grown from that boy into, you know, I guess, man is yeah. the best word I can think of. Yeah. Uh, somebody recently ruined that sequence for me. I'm going to ruin it for you guys now. I'm sorry. But basically saying, like, can you imagine the complexity of the planet? All right, here's what's going to happen. We're all going to get captured. <laughs> so every, everything, we're going to fuck it all up. We're all going to be captured. And then a robot's going to shoot a sword at me. And that's going to fix everything. It holds up. Yeah. I love That's my favorite sequence. In That's my favorite individual. Like you could pull that sequence out, and it totally works on its own. It's one of the few times in Star Wars that our attention is not drawn elsewhere to split up a scene. Like, basically, from when the droids get to Jabba's palace, we never cut away to the Empire until they have driven the barge, until the barge has crashed. Like, that's, it's a very isolated sequence that I love. Um, I guess I feel like... How can I put this? <laughs> I love that beginning sequence. I think the end of the movie is really powerful. And we'll talk about that with The Last Jedi because I think there's a lot of similarity there. The middle part, and I don't mind the Ewoks in general, but the Ewok sequence kind of drags the film down a little bit. Um, I think that the whole time that stuff's happening, I want more of Luke and Vader in the Emperor's throne room. Like That's just that's, that's, that's what I want in those sequences. Um, and then so we'll talk about Rogue One later. And the last Jedi later. Let's talk about uh, the Force Awakens a little bit. So, um, 
Liz, what do you think about The Force Awakens? Well, I, I do really like The Force Awakens. Um, just the fact that maybe it's one of the first, you know, newer movies we have seen. And uh, to state maybe the obvious, we have a female protagonist and a female wielding a lightsaber, which is something I've been waiting for forever, which I tell my students all the time, <laughs> um, I, which I think was sort of just a big moment for me. Um, and I, I like the idea of following Luke on his hero's journey, and we get the same idea starting here with Ray as well, starting on her hero's journey, or maybe Ben's. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I. Uh, the only bit of the well, first of all, I think that the Last Jedi, not the Last Jedi, excuse me, Force Awakens, it did what it was supposed to do. Like, it was supposed to get us back invested in this cinematic universe, and I think it does that in spades. I think there's a lot of really interesting moments in the film i think it suffers a bit from new hopeism or just there's another death star and you know those sorts of things but i think that it does a wonderful i think in the first 10 minutes you spend with kylo ren poe dameron finn or ray you care about them more than you care about any character in three prequel films like those characters you instantly know their motivations you kind of care about them more than you do any of the new characters in the prequels and i think that that will be its greatest legacy is launching those new characters. Yeah, I think it does get dragged down from the ideas. We see a very similar story with some of the same characters. I was not as excited to see Han Solo and Chewbacca and Leia back. Um, I enjoyed the new characters they introduced. Um, For me, though, the best part of The Force Awakens was the Kylo Ren in that film specifically. I think of seeing a villain who is trying so hard to be evil, to purge what is good from him, um, makes him such a terrifying character. And seeing the lengths that he will go to to get himself to be this kind of crystallized evil Um, was very interesting to me and very engaging and even as an older uh, viewer he was terrifying in a way that Vader for me never was Um, I think we've gone a very different direction with him in the second movie and the third movie from what it looks like Um, but that version of Kylo Ren in that movie was fantastic for me so I think that's for me the highest point of it Yeah, I have to say I agree. The new characters are the characters I was into and I cared about. I thought I would care a lot about Leia, Han, etc. I I thought maybe just including them with some sort of, you know, fan service directed towards people like me. But I wound up enjoying the newer characters better. I feel much more invested in where their lives are headed. Yeah. Um, I love the self-awareness in that film in parts like the first line spoken in the movies is this will begin to make things right like it's because you know there's just it's it's re reestablishing star wars for for a new generation all that i think that's great um so the last jedi is my third and you guys both have that in your middle yeah. so mm-hmm. let's talk about the last jedi so um this on some days is my second favorite star wars movie uh i think it's fantastic first of all i think it's the best visual Star Wars movie since Empire in terms of it was like beautifully shot. Um, I think it has the most complex emotional arcs in any Star Wars movie. I think that you 
go through every emotion with Luke in that movie. Like what to me, the beauty of the fo- end of the Force Awakens was just seeing Luke and her holding the lightsaber out. Like I can cry thinking about it. It's just such a beautiful image, and then to have him literally throw it away was such a shocking place to start with the character. But to me, one of the reasons that I think that Luke is among the top two Star Wars characters behind Obi Wan is that. I love Luke's commitment to nonviolence. Like the way he defeats Vader is by not fighting him. And the way he defeats Kylo Ren is by not fighting him. Like Luke is so consistent in his approach. He he doesn't want to defeat people. He wants to turn them. He wants to show people the 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 error of their ways. The only thing he really says to Kylo Ren is I'm sorry. You know like he, he spends the movie beating himself up. He's this hardened broken down character and he literally gives all that he has he wrings the last bit of himself out to let people survive he doesn't do it to fight somebody to defeat somebody he does it to save people and luke just i love that journey and i think that there are some some people that really didn't like the fact that luke didn't triumph after return of the jedi you know, I think all of us remember seeing him look out at the Force ghosts and feel like this is the beginning of a great journey for him, and it wasn't. And I think that that's very similar to the prequels in a way, where, again, it's recontextualizing the Jedi as not the thing you want to be, that being a Jedi is painful. Being a Jedi is bad for you, but it's important. And I, I think there's a real sense of like a vocation to being a Jedi. Like, you know, anybody who works a job that they truly love but beats the shit out of them knows what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like, I'm talking about two teachers right now. Yeah. There are days when you know your job is important, but you hate doing it. Right? Yes. And, you know, yes. and I feel like that's that's the Jedi's journey. It's that you're the you're the protector of the universe, but it sucks. And so I loved that aspect of it. Um People don't like the Canto Bite sequence, and I understand that. Uh, but to me, so in The Force Awakens, Finn rejects being the First Order. And it's not until the end of The Last Jedi that he embraces being a rebel. And the reason he's able to embrace it is he sees DJ, the Benicio del Toro character, who doesn't pick a side. And he sees how that person is this empty shell. And after seeing that, he decides, I have to take a stand for something. So you need that sequence to get Finn where I think he ultimately needs to be for this upcoming Rise of Skywalker film. Um, I think the Rey and Kylo stuff is really interesting. When when Snoke got cut in half, I did not see that coming. That was incredible. Um to me, it's the most surprising Star Wars movie, and that's why it's my favorite of of the new ones so far. I really no 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 <laughs> i I liked it for the fact that it I like it for the reasons that I like Empire and I like um, Attack of the Clones. I don't know if it's just the role of the second film to widen the scope of what star wars is the first films are always very narrow um they follow one kind of specific journey and then the second one breaks it out and you see this wide universe and i think what makes last Jedi interesting is you see that that universe is not the black and white fight that you see in the first film 
that people are making money off of this combat between the two sides. You see people who don't care one way or the other. Their lives will go on whether it is the Empire or um, the rebels who succeed. And you see this idea of maybe even the Force isn't as black or white as we see. And it's the choice that you make that matters in a world of so many different options. And I think we see Ray make her choice. We see Finn make his choice. Um, so I like that kind of seeing the wider view of the universe and seeing where our characters fit into it outside of just this very linear destroy the Death Star. Everything's great. Move on kind of scenario so i don't know if i've seen it enough to really put it above the other films whether that's nostalgia or personal tastes it kind of depends um but i like it a lot more than people said they did um i will go to my grave arguing against the idea that it didn't feel like star wars um the complaint that the force doesn't work like that or things don't happen like that is just nonsensical i've seen um anakin skywalker fight a force griffin and dragon like it, the force is weird and it does a lot of things leia could pull herself back into a spaceship you could project yourself across the universe it's just what the force is and you got to deal with it um but I think people went into it wanting it to be something very specific, and it wasn't. And I think that's what makes it strong, not what makes it weak. Yeah, I mean, I have to say I generally agree with you both. Despite the fact that this movie falls right in the middle of my list, it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies in many ways. I like that it focuses on various journeys of self-discovery, whether it's Rey trying to figure out her place in the universe she's just starting out she's looking for a typical spiritual magical mentor which you know she doesn't really necessarily find in luke and i like that i like their dynamic um i like the fact that maybe her parents are not anybody in particular the fact that kylo ren is on his own journey of self-discovery and we see these two younger people joining each other um trying to help each other in some way work together in some way that's not usual they're not necessarily on the same side it's not right. black and white not good and evil but they're both trying to figure out their place here and even the fact that luke isn't really sure of his place at this point in time to me is fantastic yeah um i think that really adds so much to the movie just the fact that maybe he's not where we would expect him to be but he's still doing the heroic things he needs to do yeah. in the end what frustrates me about the reaction to the prequel to the sequels rather is that everybody bagged on the force awakens for being a new hope redo and then everyone's mad that the last jedi was not <laughs> yeah. something we've seen before like <laughs> you can't have it both ways like you know and, and to me it's just i want i want to go into a movie and be surprised we were talking about endgame before avengers endgame and my one critique of endgame i think is that everything i kind of thought was going to happen happened i enjoyed the way it happened but when going to the last jedi if you ask me like plot out how this movie's going to go 
I could not have done that for you. Like it's, yeah. it was really truly surprising, and that's a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay, so that was my number three. Liz, what's your number three? Uh, Empire. Uh, New Hope. Okay. Um, uh, we'll talk about uh, Empire later, and I presume a New Hope later also. Yes. Okay. So, um, what's your number two then? Of uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. Let's talk Rogue oh, One. Oh man, <laughs> Liz, give us give us the Rogue One oh, pitch here. Man. All right, well, Rogue One, a uh, standalone movie, and I feel like it's a standalone movie that to me fits right into the Star Wars universe, and I like the fact that the end of that movie goes right into A New Hope. Um, I I thought it was great storytelling. I I was really compelled. Um, it wasn't maybe surprising. I kind of knew where it was headed in the end. But I was still invested in how they got there. Um, And just like we were saying um, before with characters, I liked all of the characters. Um, I wanted to see where they were headed as well. I feel like I had something else to say and I was leaving it for last and now I've forgotten what that is. Oh, in the end, uh, I don't know. Can I spoil it? I don't know. What point? Right. Yeah. You should have seen it if you're listening to the podcast. Yeah. I figured at this point, if you haven't seen it. But yeah, at the end, I remember sitting in the theater and being like, are they gonna die because i feel like that's not what happens in star wars maybe game of thrones or other series um but not in star wars but again in the larger scheme of things it makes sense because we don't really see any of these people in the later movies but to me i feel like the end is what really cemented the movie um towards the top of my list i really liked seeing the struggles that the everyday kind of foot soldier people in the rebellion are doing it's not about just the jedi and it takes the work and the sacrifice of this whole rebel network to help the jedi do what they need to do to have the empire fall it's all of these smaller actions it's a father sacrifices everything for his family it is a daughter who is doing the best that she can in this rough world it is people who are just fighting for their lives and losing their lives to take on this kind of insurmountable force and i really really like that idea um in the bigger star wars universe seeing where it fits in the idea of watching a whole rebel squadron wiped out that you knew wasn't there in the new hope and you see their sacrifice and you see the sacrifice of all these other people um and i think it's a really great story and it blends in well i think they did themselves some favors in patching over some iffy science in the blowing of the death star that was nifty um and obviously the shout outs to the rebels team being involved in there is also very cool you see chopper ride through the final scene you he listen um about general Sindula. so those shout outs are wonderful too um but it's just a great story and i think opens up some wonderful characters i don't know if you read the catalyst book i'm actually halfway through it right now okay it's it's a really good book and shows how these people outside of just this grand overarching you know, control the universe through the Sith things go on. I think it's the same idea seeing Tarkin there, seeing um, all these other characters that are so engaging 
outside of just lightsaber duels um, is really great to see on screen. So this is my fifth favorite movie, and it's it's not that's not a knock on it. I just love the other four so much more. Uh, but what I think is is the most valuable thing it does, sort of overall, is it really connects the prequels to the original trilogy in a way. Like we see Mustafar, where Vader is in his castle, and like that's something introduced in the prequels that we never see again. That's put in there. We see Bell Organa. Uh, again as as you know in there and it's, it's sort of it really acts as a glue between those first three and the middle three plus like you said Matt it brings rebels into it a bit it just kind of it gives a really it's a really good glue movie yeah. it helps connect all the various parts of Star Wars together better than any other single film does I think um and again, like that was a movie that had a lot of reshoots, and it was it was plagued by some problems, and you don't see it watching the movie. As opposed to Solo, which I think you can still kind of see the cracks showing, you don't see it as much in Rogue One. No, I think that's 100% right, bringing it all together. And again, Star Wars can meet, be in so many different places at once, and I think Rogue One kind of does bring it all back together. I even, I even forgot about the idea of the reshoots. If you look at the trailer, it's a trailer with a bunch of scenes that didn't make the final cut. Um, but you're right. It does work even despite all of those challenges to be a great movie. For me, it I was originally going to say it's my number one. Um, I do love it that much. Um, but yeah, I yeah, it's just great. It's a great movie. I agree. So, Liz, what's your number one? A New Hope. Uh, mine is Empire, and Matt, yours is also Empire? Okay, so let's talk about A New Hope first, Liz. I feel like a okay. saying that. I feel like a poser saying Empire is number one as a Star Wars fan, but it really is. It, it is, yeah. Uh, so why is A New Hope the one for you? All right, so um, I, I guess it's... Also, it's, quick yeah, question. Sure. You and I are about the same age. Yes. When you were growing up, was it Star Wars or was it A New Hope? Oh, did I call it Star Wars like, or A New Hope? It, I think I... In the original scroll, it doesn't say uh, a new hope, is, or it may say, but it's it's called. It wasn't when it was released. It was just called Star Wars. Mm. So when you were growing up, what did you call it? I just called it Star Wars. So I don't did know, I. I don't yeah. know if that's why, and I never thought about yeah. it that way. Uh, but that's like it wasn't until I think Empire came out that the when it was next re released yeah. that it's in Episode Four, a new a new hope. So like, mm. but that's something like, I call it a new hope when talking about it because because when I say Star Wars, that means everything, whereas a new hope means this particular thing, but like. Okay, so anyway. Well, I always forget the name of the first movie, and maybe that's why. I never yeah. thought about it in an, an intellectual way, such as <laughs> okay. that. Hmm. So why is this your favorite? Um, all right. Well, I think I'm going to come at it from a storytelling perspective. Just as a teacher, I've been trying to teach my students about Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, because oh, I read yeah. Beowulf, which is never a fan favorite. Um, so in order to perhaps get my students a little more interested in it, I started showing them A New Hope, since it follows the hero's journey perfectly. Um so I, part of it is just, I think, sentimental, the fact that I like this movie the best. Also because I've been showing it, I guess, for the past three years in my classes, and I've been able to get a number of students that haven't watched Star Wars to get into Star Wars and watch additional Star Wars movies. And it's just the beginning of the story, and I like it. I like the beginning of stories, and especially the beginnings of stories that I love. Yeah, um... I think there are two or three moments in A New Hope that are among my favorite, not just in Star Wars, but in like cinema in general. The moment of 
Obi-Wan putting the lightsaber to his forehead and and then Vader like swinging through is such an amazingly shot and acted scene. And my students like it. It is hokey and they kind of laugh at it, but they still like it and it still has some sort of emotional resonance yeah. for them as 16, 17-year-olds in right. 2019. Yeah. Um, Matt, what do you think of A New Hope? I like it. Um, it's kind of just every... It hits all the Star Wars notes. It is encapsulated in and of itself. Just, uh, like you said, the steps of the hero's journey. It gets there and then... I, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm trying to think why it isn't higher. I know why I like Empire more. Um, I don't know. It's it's a hard one. It was a hard one to rank. Um, because when I think of Star Wars, that's immediately where I go to. If I circle back to my favorite character, which is Princess Leia, it's the first time we meet her. And her very first line is pretty sassy, which I am into. And every time I tell all my students, I'm like, the princess needs to be rescued, but she's still sassy and she still helps herself out. Uh, My two favorite things about Leia in uh, Star Wars uh, A New Hope is um, her sass is definitely right up there. (laughs) But also, I love how strong she is. Like... So she <laughs> she spends like the, there's a scene after Obi-Wan sacrifices himself where she's like she's her arm around Luke and Luke is so sad about this guy he's known like a week. And you realize that like a day before her entire planet is blown up, but yeah. she doesn't sit around like sulking. She just like shit needs to get done and Leia's gonna do it. And she's compassionate towards Luke and she's loving towards him, but ultimately like tragedy happens, but she has a job to do. She's a good leader. She's a great leader. Yeah. yeah. And so I love that about her. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else to add about A New Hope? I don't think so. I'm sure I'll think of something later, but yeah. it'll be too late then. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so Matt and I both picked The Empire Strikes Back as our favorite film. Um, it's, to me, again, somebody ruined this movie for me recently, which is to say that uh, it's funny how it took Luke as long to train to be a Jedi as it took for the Millennium Falcon to get from one planet to another. <laughs> like, it was just the way the film was edited. And I know that's not perfect, but anyway. But, like, I think that Empire has the best Force stuff in any of the movies. Like, Yoda talking about the Force is just beautiful and great. I think it also has the best Han stuff in any of the movies. And to me, those are sort of the two poles of the original trilogy. You have Han's very, like, grounded, rebel... Um, scoundrel stuff and you have the very elevated very uh spiritual jedi stuff and this film kind of does both of those as well as i think they get done and you get the introduction of lando who i love i love cloud city as like as a setting cloud city is maybe the best setting in star wars um there's the classic i love you i know Mm -hmm. scene which is just you know so well done and and talk about like a, that visual sequence the when Luke and Vader are fighting the orange that is everywhere like it's just a That's yeah. it's just a beautiful visual film so i think it like it's the prettiest to look at i think it's the the forciest it's the rogiest um and it's also like i just think it has the most Aside from The Last Jedi, it has the most surprising turns. Like When you first watch that movie, I don't think you expect it to go the places it goes. Matt, why do you love this movie? I like it a lot from the very beginning. The idea of going from the end of A New Hope, when 
they win, they give medals, the Death Star is done, the Empire loses its mega weapon, um, and then realizing in Empire that the fight is so much bigger than that, that the reach of the Empire is so much larger, and that the what you thought was the real battle was just one tiny piece of this overall war. And it brings you into this larger conflict, this push and pull. And you see how small and on the ropes the rebels themselves are. And I think Luke training to be a Jedi, um, really understanding the responsibility of that is really nice. Um, that whole, the whole scenes and now watching it kind of understanding the broader sense of the force and understanding how important his decision to reject waiting and rush into battle unprepared and seeing what he loses and what he's prepared to lose um, really kind of defines his character um, as we see that turn from Luke in that movie, the I now have the power to kill my enemies and move on and to see that kind of shift to like you were talking about in Jedi and in um, Last Jedi, just his really realizing that head on combat is not the way that you can make major change. Um, and again, I think it just has some beautiful scenes. Um, I always love the battle on Hoth as a kid. I still do. Um, the lightsaber battle in the dark in the car and the carbonite room is fantastic. Um, there's just so much greatness there. The introduction of Lando, um, it's got a lot of humor between C-3PO and Chewbacca. There's just so much kind of with it. Um, but again, I do feel like a poser because I feel like that's the go-to answer if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, but there is just so much to love wrapped into it. I just can't help but put that as my number one. Yeah, I feel like for me, it's sort of like the middle movie, like the middle child. It gets caught trapped in the middle for me, but it is a movie I enjoy. It was just on TV earlier today. Mm -hmm. I had it on briefly. Um, and I, I like the idea that Lando's kind of just a regular guy just trying to do his job. And the scene that was on was when he gives up his friends. He's like, I got to like, I got to take yeah. care of what I need to take care of. And then they're in the best freeze chamber and like, oh, you know what? We'll try it on Han. Right. And you can see, you know, Lando at that point be like, this isn't quite what I signed up for. Right. So yeah, even yeah. for regular people just trying to get through their lives, yeah. even in the Star Wars universe, you know, at, there's a point maybe you're not willing to go. Yeah. And also, I just prefer puppet Yoda as opposed yes. to yes. CGI Yoda. Although, if you try and watch episode one with the original puppet Yoda, it's scary. <laughs> they went and replaced it with no, CG Yoda. Really. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll pull up a photo in a minute of original puppet Yoda. It looks like yogurt from Spaceballs. It really, <laughs> truly does. So anyway, that that's our list. Uh, that was almost an hour of us just talking about our favorite Star Wars. <laughs> Whoops. 8%. Uh, <laughs> wow, there's negative 20 now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, um, we're going to do this once a month, the three of us sitting down. We're going to have, for now, the, the looks of the movies in between there. Um, do you guys, I should have asked you this beforehand, uh -oh. do you want to like share your social media stuff people can follow you there do you not care about that uh well maybe i could create another one later where people could follow me okay, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll fix that for next time sounds good okay um i'm at brian needs a nap 
Go to multiversitycomics.com. We have lots of podcasts, lots of other stuff. We actually have a, a Star Wars book club on the site that I'm a part of, and uh, we review all the Star Wars shows, and we do some stuff with the Marvel Star Wars comics. So yeah, lots of Star Wars stuff in Multiversity. And uh, remember, the Force will be with you always. Thank you.